Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, May 30th, 2018. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I'm Broadway World's Julie Musbeck. Julie, welcome back. It's It's been a minute since you've uh, since you've joined us here on Today on Broadway. It has, since I've talked to you anyway. I talked to James last week, I think. Oh yeah, that's right. I forget because I wasn't there. Uh, yeah, James is out seeing uh, the boys in the band here on Tuesday night when we were recording. So Julie, you're here um, with us tonight. You're going to be with James on Friday's show. I don't know that I've told him this yet. Um, I'm seeing a uh, a regional production of Fun Home on Thursday night, so I'm really excited about that. So uh, you're going to be with us a little bit this week, and then next week is Crazy Tony Week. I can't believe it's already Tony Tony time. As part of the news desk operation over at Broadway World, Julie, has Tony season made things more hectic for you or less hectic for you? In terms of news, I think it's it kind of slows things down a little bit because everyone keeps track of when that comes out and they don't want to get in the way of it. Like when the big award announcements come out, they avoid sending things on that day, but that doesn't stop the regional folks. Still lots of regional stuff going on, but all right, Julie, let's get into the news. Okay, so first off, last season was the biggest in Broadway history. Yeah, for for better or for worse, but we'll get to that. Um, Yeah, the 2017-2018 Broadway season officially ended this past Sunday. It was also a record-breaking one. Now, the fact that grosses were up 17.1% is both not a surprise and a little frustrating, but it wasn't the only number that surpassed the previous mark. Attendance rose 3.9%. And playing weeks increased 2.8%, both over the previous season's totals. Now, James and I discussed this around the first of the year. This season was actually a 53-week season because of how the calendar works out every seven years they do that. Uh, But the actual 52-week totals were still record setters. And again, every seven years, Broadway counts their season in 53 weeks. So this isn't some random thing they just threw in for fun. But the total season attendance came out to 13,792,614 people, and the grosses were 1,697,458,795 dollars. The season had a total of 1,624 playing weeks, which is more than the previous season, but not anywhere close to an actual record. Now, Julie, I think that you and I are, are both probably very happy that Broadway seems to be healthy. People are coming to Broadway shows. They're spending money to see Broadway shows. That's what keeps us employed. But when you look at the fact that there was a 4% rise in attendance compared to a 17% rise at the box office, that's a little concerning. Yes, I understand that perhaps producers are getting better at fluctuate their pricing and, and de- raising things when there's a higher demand and getting better with premiums. But I can't help but feel that they're also squeezing out people who are on the lower limit of having the economic feasibility to actually see a show. Yeah, I think this is a lot about the price of tickets that they would have such a rise. It makes sense, you know, every year that they do a little bit better and a little bit better because the tickets go up a little bit more and a little bit more. Even in the two years that I've lived in New York, I've paid a lot more in the past couple months even than I have in the past two years. So. I don't love that. I don't like that at all. I don't think that seems fair. I know I read the the article and it says 60% of tickets were under $101, but that doesn't mean a whole lot to me when it comes down to it. It seems like a really odd price. Like maybe that means that like, who knows, 10% of the tickets were at $100. You know, it's the cheap tickets are still really expensive. And obviously, actually, I think, Julie, if memory serves, 
the first time you were ever on this show, you talked about ways that people could see things cheaply. So there are ways, but they're not reliable. They're not things you can plan for in advance if you're talking about lotteries and rushes. So it is really difficult for people to try to see shows on a budget. I mean, I come up to town, uh, you know, and I, as you, <laughs> as you make fun of me quite often, uh, I try to plan things as far in advance as possible. And I'm fortunate that I have some press connections and I do interviews with shows. So I get some tickets for press purposes, but I buy a lot of tickets and they're still super expensive. Yeah. There are some things that you can't see unless you pay a really expensive price for it. I was trying to see once on this Island and they had a deal going on where you get 40% off of tickets and tickets were $99. It's like, what? How can 40% off of 99, yes, 40% of 99, you know, that additional price is what it usually is. And it's just ungodly. I can't afford that. Yeah, it's it's rough, especially if you want to go see, you know, a lot of the shows in the season that can be that can be difficult. So, all right, Julie, let's stick with talking about money for a little bit and kind of sticking with this season long theme last week's broadway grosses increased by almost 1.6% in terms of the receipts despite the fact that attendance actually fell by over a percent now in fairness the rise in the box office can solely be attributed to bruce springsteen playing five shows last week as compared to the four that he did the previous week that extra performance brought in over $475,400 enough to make him the second highest grossing show of the week behind of course Hamilton. Now, that's no surprise, but what is a little bit of a surprise is that Hamilton was actually below $3 million last week on a non-Eduham week. It still, of course, did okay at $2,987,818. Then there was The Boss, Lion King, and Harry Potter, all above $2 million, followed by Frozen, Wicked, Dear Evan Hansen, Mean Girls, Aladdin, My Fair Lady, The Book of Mormon, Phantom, Come From Away, Carousel, Summer, and The Boys in the Band, all above seven figures. Now, thanks to the Memorial Day weekend which annually results in people doing things outside rather than going to a Broadway show. Much of Broadway saw declines week over week, although some of the more family-friendly fare did see improvements, including SpongeBob SquarePants, which posted its fifth highest total of the calendar year at $869,671, which makes me a bit happy. So, Julie, I think that's enough numbers talk for today. I know you don't like the numbers, um, although I will say <laughs> math was never good to me either. But uh, I will say that I think over this next week or two, as summer vacations, especially in the Northeast, start happening, we'll start to see these numbers improve uh, You know, quite a bit. Uh, the Memorial Day holiday, normally we think holidays are really good on Broadway. Memorial Day not normally one of them. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens as we start to get into June and see if these numbers increase. I'm sure they will. They always do every year with all the tourists. I will not be one of them this year, though. I will be leaving. Yeah, you're, you're leaving on a jet plane, getting out when the tourists come in, just so people know you're going to Scotland for, what, six weeks? Yes, six weeks. So, sounds like fun. All right. So um, next up, Julie, I want to talk about some things that James and I dove into uh, last night, just briefly, they were breaking news when James and I were recording, so we didn't have a ton of information on them. We were just kind of working off a, a handful of tweets uh, and, and short stub articles when we talked about them. First up, uh, starting with the Stratford Festival in Canada, police did confirm that opening night of the festival was canceled and the theater evacuated due to, quote, an explosives threat. After a thorough search, nothing was found, and the festival will reschedule the opening night festivities as soon as possible. Thankfully, it sounds like the uh, first responders did a good job of making sure that everyone was safe up in Stratford. 
The other story that we briefly mentioned last night was the passing of Chicago theater director Rachel Rockwell. We have since learned that Rockwell died at the age of 49 due to ovarian cancer, according to her father. A beloved artist in the Second City, Rockwell's work was seen in New York in 2016 with MCC's transfer of the musical Ride to the Cyclone, which she was still uh, involved with the development of. She was also slated to direct the Chicago Shakespeare world premiere of Disney's Bed Knobs and Broomsticks next year, which we talked about a few weeks ago. Our thoughts, of course, go out to everyone who loved Rockwell, either personally or as an artist. That's so sad. Yeah, it's, it's way too young. Cancer is a... Cancer's a bitch, so uh, make a donation to a cancer uh, organization if you uh, feel inclined to honor the memory of Rachel Rockwell. Definitely. So what do we have in recommendations? Okay, just a real few things here. I'm including these just because I know people will like them, Julie. I don't know that either you or I watched a ton of these, Uh, but apparently (laughs) there's videos out there of the star-studded Hollywood Bowl cast of Beauty and the Beast that did their concert production over the weekend. It was one of those things where they, like, showed the movie and then the songs were done by the actors in this huge big orchestra uh, the cast included zoe de chanel tay diggs rebel wilson jane krakowski anthony evans and kelsey Grammer. i'll have uh, links to kelsey Grammer singing be our guest and jane krakowski singing the title song i have to tell you julie there are times when jane krakowski clearly does not have the soprano to sing that song but there are other times when i I honestly kind of thought she was lip syncing to Angela Lansbury. She does a very good Angela Lansbury impression, except for the high soprano notes. But, uh, (laughs) oh, well, take a listen. Let me know what you guys think. The other thing that I really wanted to talk about, though, and Julie, I think you'll like this having a uh, theater design background as you do. The New York Times, Michael Paulson put out this article that I'm hoping is part of a companion piece that looks into the sound design of the plays that are nominated this year. Obviously, we know the history of the sound design Tony when it was taken away and then brought back. And it's really cool. He talks about what the challenge for each show was in the sound design, what to listen for, and then has a clip of the actual sound design from the show, um, including, you know, stuff from travesties that's trams, clocks, and Beethoven from Angels in America. It's, quote, angel sex breath. Uh, and then, you know, some other things, a lot of stuff from Cursed Child. So um, very cool thing, a, a nice look inside that. And I'm hoping that we get some of that from uh, the musical nominees as well. That sounds amazing for sure. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. All right, Matt, what else do you have? Okay, and some other news. Yesterday, what James and I hypothesized was confirmed. The Broadway revival of Hello, Dolly! will welcome back original alternate Donna Murphy to play six performances during Bette Midler's return run to the musical. The show uh, did not originally put these dates on sale, but they are available now, so it's not like people who thought they were going to see Bette are getting that taken away. We will have a link to those dates in the show notes. Also announced yesterday, Waitress's current Jenna Catherine McPhee will be sticking around the pie shop a little longer now that her CBS crime drama Scorpion has been canceled. She will be taking the two weeks off that we'd mentioned earlier, which is a part vacation, part concert dates. She'll end her current run on June 17th. Then she will return to the show from July 5th through August 19th. On Tuesday, we also learned that John Leguizamo's Latin History for Morons will be filmed for a Netflix special on June 28th through the 30th at NJPAC. Next five-time Tony winner Susan Stroman will return to work on the Aarons and Flaherty musical Little Dancer in early June with an industry reading. She also directed and choreographed a version of the show at the Kennedy Center in 2014. 
The reading will include Tyler Peck and Karen Ziemba, who led the DC production, as well as Robert Lindsay, Kate Baldwin, D. Hody, Christopher Gurr, Kyle Harris, who was in the DC production as well, Scarlett Strelin, and more. The show will have its West Coast premiere next spring at the Fifth Avenue Theater in Seattle. And finally, sticking with Stroh, yesterday the Vineyard Theater announced that it's extending The Beast in the Jungle, which was directed and choreographed by Stroman through June 24th. If you would like more information on any or all of those stories, please check out the show notes at broadwayradio.com. When I was working in press, when I first started, I was at the new 42nd Street Studios, and Susan Stroman walked out, and that's one of the few times that I've actually felt starstruck seeing someone. I was oh, like, I'm sure. <gasps> Susan Stroman. <laughs> <laughs> Stro has that effect on people. Yeah, she's she's wonderful. Um, I will let people know that you're currently in the middle of, or not in the middle, at towards the beginning of watching all the movies of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I'm very proud of you, and I'm very much enjoying watching these movies through your eyes for the first time. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. I like them. You just finished uh, the Kenneth Branagh-directed Thor, right? Yes, and I like that one. I liked it a lot. Although the Guardians of the Galaxy is still my favorite. Star Lord's still my favorite. Yeah. You didn't see that one in order, but whatever. I'm, I'm not going to get mad about no, that. No, that, I watched that a long time ago. I'll rewatch it in order. Good. I'm proud of you. All right. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Matt. Julie, where can people find you? I am on Twitter and Instagram at Julie Musback. Thanks so much for listening to Today on Broadway. James and I will be back to talk with you tomorrow. And then Julie and James will finish out the week on Friday. <laughs> <laughs>